0: Hey there everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum, this is your host Gormy and I am happy to be with you once again this week, time for another guest on the show and I once again, uh, you know, for it's rare but I'm recording with someone who is very far away from me so we've got a bit of a time difference, it's morning for me and evening for him and uh, so that's kind of fun and his name is Phil Kays, Phil how are you doing today? I'm not too bad Gormy, thanks very much for asking. I am glad to have you here, man, so let's get into it. Tell us, Phil, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum?
1: Um, I've been a fat guy for m- most of my life. Uh, I, s- I mean, I started getting overweight. Basically, as a-, as a young child, I was always overweight. I mean, one of my earliest memories is being told by my- one of my teachers that I needed to lose weight to take part in the soccer team. Uh, in the the school so yeah like really early memories from always being overweight and just having problems with food it really was but problems with food has just defined my life so
0: and those problems with food like now that you're kind of at a place where you can reflect on it do you do you have i you know kind of thoughts on where it began or how it really kind of started for you
1: um i know where my problems really sort of came to head i mean i at my highest weight i actually, i reached uh 520 pounds so like big big guy now i'm tall i'm six foot three so which i thought it meant i carried weight well i didn't realize because obviously i hated photos so i never really looked at photos of myself but i hadn't it's only now that i realized just how heavy i mean that was like the, the first realization of getting to that size but really food based issues i mean my parents bought a corner shop like a sweet shop so we sold sweets chocolate bars candy bars uh basically to, in the local area and that's when i started uh, all of a sudden i think i was a secret eater i would very much uh, describe myself as a secret eater and that was the sort of start of the problems but it really went ahead once i moved out of my parents house when i went to university and all of a sudden it was on my own i had no idea how to prepare food how to cook food how to cook healthily so i just ate junk food and all of a sudden weight just started going on and on and on and it just seemed never ending and i got really big really quickly like i went i my dad used to joke with me every time i came back after three months away because i i'm from northern ireland but i was studying in england that every time i came back after three months he said you would be 14 to 20 pounds heavier all of every single time he saw me for, and that was over the period of like three, four years, and then all of a sudden
0: I was big, like mm. really, really big. And were you conscious of of your weight at that time, or was it you know, like like you said you 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 felt you carried it well, you know, on in your head? You, were you trying, you know, dieting at different times, or was it just more you were living your life?
1: Uh, oh, at, at the time I was a hundred percent in denial. Like I was, mm. I was aware I was gaining weight because obviously I was going through clothes. <laughs> um, really quickly as in it was really i was i mean was literally bursting out of clothes at, at one point at certain points you know every so often like trousers and jeans they had to be changed uh, tops all of a sudden where my gut was showing my stomach was showing below the uh the lowest point of it and all of a sudden i needed a bigger top and it was getting bigger and bigger and that was got to a point where i was actually struggling to get clothes in my size because i mean this was this was like early 1990s so um there was no internet They order clothes off you know uh yeah it was a real struggle to find clothes so um and yeah it was just it was embarrassment it was, it was really embarrassing and it was denial about it so if anybody said to me and it was usually my dad it just meant an argument and then it would storm out and it would just meant that sort of then defined it and when you have that relationship of food of secret eating when you have an argument and you go into hiding and you're angry you eat you just, i mean i i always say my relationship with food was so weird and out of whack because i mean i ate as celebration i ate as punishment for myself everything i did involved food everything punishment happiness you know everything was related to food and because i didn't know how to prepare food or cook food for myself it was junk food it was junk food or takeaways um Obviously, in Northern Ireland, we have a big relationship with uh, potatoes and like fish and chips, deep fried. Everything was covered in oil, and it was just that's where it started. But not what that's where it started it was just that was what I, I ate when I was uh, happy, when I was sad, and it just it didn't. It just added to the problems. It's just the weight. I mean, I, I don't think I got any bigger for like twenty five years. I was in and around that top weight, but every time I did try, it was extreme measures it was you know trying to starve myself or i would eat like crazy weird diets like um i would eat rice krispies a bowl of rice krispies twice a day for meals breakfast and lunch and then a, a, a normal dinner and obviously it's just that's it just meant i was hungry all the time and if you're hungry all the time you just it's a disaster waiting to happen because when you crack you go big time you go nuts with uh, the worst possible food you know you reach for so um yeah it was just self-perpetuating and it it actually i mean every time i'd lost weight when i was losing weight and i had no idea what i weighed so i knew i was losing weight or i was following this diet or whatever latest diet it was on um i knew i was losing weight and then but by the time anybody noticed and they maybe said to me oh yes you're, you're losing a bit of weight um i knew it was i was back on I was gaining weight again because by the time they had seen it, I knew I'd cracked and I was piling weight back on again. So and it usually ended up back up around the same sort of level. Yeah. Uh, in no time. You know?
0: Yeah. And I, I think you're you're onto a couple of things in there. Like one, you and I are actually very, very close in age. You were born yeah. I think like two months after me. Uh yeah. then when your birth date from your bio. So yeah. uh I definitely relate to that place of you know Right now, if you're you know, it's it's not easy to find clothes if you're over five hundred pounds now, but it's it's possible. And I remember, you know, like you said, back in the before the internet was there in the nineties, like, you know, mid nineties, late nineties, like your options were catalogs and shipping, dealing with shipping. There was no, you know, running into a store and and finding something. Like it was you're those you were kind of trapped in a place when it came to clothes for sure. And You know, it also stands out to me like, you know, relatability, like that idea of the relationship with food being about all emotions, like not just because you'll hear people talk about when they're an emotional eater and it's usually related to like, they're dealing with depression or sadness or anger, you know, like having a specific trigger. But I I think especially when you're someone who's significantly overweight and you realize that you have that connection with food, it's food, you, you find any reason to eat. You know, like any emotion, you know, happiness, sadness, joy, misery, all of it kind of becomes this cycle of had a good day, I'm going to celebrate with food, had a bad day, I'm going to get through it with food. Like it does become this place, this perpetual machine in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's it's just, and I relate to that idea that when people are noticing that you're losing weight, and you know that you're not in that place anymore, what that feels like. Like yeah. kind of having that in your head being like, okay, and are they going to know, you know, I, yeah. I feel like there's a million things you've already said that, that we could tangent <laughs> off on. Like, <laughs> and, and, you, know, and, you know, I think it would be good even for us at a point to talk about, you know, the, the, the sneak eating, like, oh yeah, even when, and it, I think it's amazing. And, and so many of these things that I talk about on this show, I think go speak to the flexibility of the human mind that we can know that we're eating most of our food out other people around and we have reasons for doing that but it's not enough to make us say is this something that I should stop it's that's what's in place that's the patterns that I've established those are yeah. the habits that's how I get through life like it becomes such an ingrained part of almost your personality that it does take a, an immense amount of work you know to to break that pattern and I also kind of hearing and you're saying you're talking about taking those extreme measures because it feels like we need to do something extreme and when yeah. we do that we don't realize that we're setting ourselves up to kind of go back to the other behavior because we're yeah. pushing so hard in the opposite direction immediately
1: yeah i mean i always I, I mean i tell people now it's just like look don't be you don't have to be become a hermit you don't mm-hmm. you still have to have a life if you're trying to lose weight you can't cut yourself off and live like be that sort of, it's either hundred percent on it or, and then setting that limit. Because as soon as you break that limit, you'll find any excuse to break that limit and push. You, you If you set boundaries around yourself, you, the human mind finds a way out. It'll tunnel under, it'll climb over, it'll crash straight through. That's what we do. Um, and it, it took a long time for me to identify that that habit. Like I remember talking with a doctor one of the few times I went to a doctor because time you go to a doctor it was a lecture when you're that size you're basically told look everything that's is wrong with you is related to your size everything if you go with a head cold like i remember going there was a foot and mouth crisis in agricultural disease and they basically said well the first thing you do is need to lose weight and i was just
0: like i know but <laughs> you know i'm mm-hmm. not that's not what i'm here for <laughs> right that's not i I can't do i can't do that overnight so what do i do with what i'm dealing with how do i handle what i'm dealing with immediately
1: and it was just like everything so it meant i hid from doctors unless it was really really serious i never went near them because i don't i I just i was in that denial where i don't need that in my life and i could i kidded myself that my size didn't impact my life because i didn't drive i didn't Uh, I told myself that I didn't like flying, things like that there, because I, especially back then, I didn't even know there were things like seatbelt extenders. All I knew was, I'm taking half the seat of the guy or the woman sat next to me, uh, who I didn't know. know, So there was that embarrassment factor and things like that there, and all of it just made me hide away from the world. I remember reading about a, a guy who had lost a similar amount of weight to me, and he said, as he got bigger, he could see his social life and his life shrink because he, he didn't go places. He just hid away. Everything was an excuse to hide away. And if we hide away, especially as someone who is aware is a secret eater, and um, if I hide away from people, I'm just going to use that time to eat, which isn't going to help me at all. That's just going to perpetuate my problems. Uh, and identifying that was a big thing for me. Like I remember talking with that doctor, and I, I did say, look, i'm actually conscious i'm aware of something it's just like at at that point i was back living with my parents um and i was aware that whenever they went out as soon as i i could hear the door close and the first thought that always came come into my head is like well what can i eat mm-hmm. and it was like a, a you know the pavlov's dog oh yeah where they basically say it was like that bell ringing the bell and the do- the instinctive reaction And for me, it was the door closing and the realisation that I was on my own. It was like, well, what can I eat? And it's still the case, and I'm aware of it now, but it's still sometimes the case of... I'm with my partner now. I recently got engaged. Life is relatively brilliant, but there was a period just after Christmas there where those habits came crashing back in, and it was a case of, like, she she went up to bed early, and all of a sudden, in my head, it was just like, well, what can I eat? And I could it took me like a week of like binge eating again or that repeating that cycle to realize i need to stop this is creeping back in and in that time like in literally that week um i probably gained nine ten pounds um no problem not without even a second thought uh without even realizing i was doing it you know it was just that extreme eating um but yeah it's like i i'm There's one of the things, and this is, I've never really talked about this before, but I remember reading about a guy, I used to be obsessed with like trivia, and I always got obsessed about records and stuff, and I used to get the Guinness Book of Records as a kid, uh, and that was my one of my presents every Christmas, and I used to read it cover to cover every single year, and I I would know all these obscure records, but I remember reading about a guy, a French guy, and he was called Monsieur Monge two And I remember that, which means Mr. Eats Everything. And he'd, he'd eaten a Cessna 2 uh, cedar airplane. He'd literally, and he used to eat light bulbs. And I remember thinking, it's just like, I wonder what that would be like. Like, i, that, I even as a kid, I was obsessed with food. I, I hadn't even been aware of it. And I, this was like maybe 10, 12 years of age. And it was chubby. I was overweight, maybe 14, 20 pounds overweight, but nothing too serious. But even then, those issues, looking back at it now, I'm aware those issues were there already. Oh, yeah. Straight away. Yeah.
0: Well, and I I think there are issues that, you know, for someone that, because I think the average person who is living at a quote unquote average weight, whatever that is now, um, they put on 10, 15 pounds and it's it's like a fire is lit under them like okay something something's going on something's happening but when you you're living that life and seeing your weight go from you know as a you know even as a child you know growing <laughs> average size as a child growing you know getting chubbier as a child seeing 200 3 300 400 and then even over 500 pounds and that being your life there's there's more behind more behind it driving my sentences right now are not working there's more behind it that's than just i i'm eating a little bit more food than i should you know and i'm just i'm not paying attention to food you know sometimes i talk to to people on the show and you know it's the rare person that they get to you know 450 500 500 plus pounds and they say you know well well i just didn't know what food choices to make like They were making food choices and making a lot of food choices and yes sometimes circumstantial you know like you were talking about not knowing how to prepare food so making a lot of choices you know kind of in the junk food realm but there still was something driving that idea like the bell ringing when the door closed when you knew you were alone like there's something deeper going on there and I before we kind of get into what what made you start you know really focusing on change like you you were near your heaviest weight you said for many many years like yeah. What was your life like? Because I, I say it on the time, the show all the time, that, like the quote you were talking about, the bigger I got when I was getting bigger, the smaller my world would get. What yeah. was your world like when you were over 500 pounds?
1: Um, for a long time, I still had a social life. I used to, um, because it didn't physically impact me. I mean, I was carrying a lot of weight, but my knees weren't, my knees are wrecked now, um, the cartilage is all blown, my hips are all, I've got early onset arthritis, things like that there, osteoporosis, I've got a physio appointment on Tuesday to go and start doing some more, uh, what is it, uh, I can't even remember, what it it's not yoga, but it's the opposite, it's more stretching based anyway, so, uh, and it's just to try and, but yeah, it was just, physically it was just season up, so walking anywhere, um was a real struggle it was really slow i had to take regular breaks but luckily i lived in the center of my town i lived close to a train station i worked close to a train station so i, I could get away with um very little walking but yeah it just meant i didn't real. I, I would go out once or twice a week to friends but i needed a seat and i needed a seat without arms things that got there so i would literally go down and prop myself at the bar and I would drink but it wouldn't always I would maybe just have a couple of drinks but I would always have snacks while I was sitting at the bar so that would be like crisps the chips um, uh, peanuts and then I would go I would go and get a pizza or a kebab on the way home something like the, even a portion of chips that would always it would always go hand in hand those were the habits and then I would just go walk home and that would be me and I would maybe do that once or twice a week and then all of a sudden as I was getting older, my friends were starting to marry off. They were having kids. So I was seeing less and less of my friends and seeing fewer of them. So all of a sudden, I was being a bit more isolated. So then it was, there was only a few friends that I was seeing regularly. Um, so it ended up where, towards a point where all I was doing was going to work, was coming home. Once a week, I would go down to the bar, meet a friend for a night out, and then I would go home. And then that cycle would repeat for the week. That would be basically my life. Um, once a week I would play poker and I organised a poker game with friends. And that would be it. Um, and even that would sometimes usually be based around food. I always brought snacks. Mainly as cover because I, I could eat some. But I knew if I, if I brought them out to other people, I wouldn't eat all of them. Because I would be trying to hide my habits from other people. So I would have some. But it wouldn't be as bad as me sitting on my own. Because I knew I would eat. I would, if I brought three or four big bags of uh, sweets. You know share packs of like M&M's. Or Haribo sweets jellies that you get here. If I was sitting at home with them. I would eat all of them myself. But if it was a brought to them the ten people. I would have some of them. But I could give the rest to the other people. So yeah it was very much. That was my way of controlling my life. But my, it meant my life was just really small. Everything was in. Half a mile uh, distance from where uh, you know, from the train station was four hundred yards away. It was a half a mile from the train station to work. Everything was short distance, but it got to a point where physically I couldn't even stand up for more than thirty minutes without pain. I mean, I used to walk into places, and I would have known where I needed to stand in the room. So, if, in the bar that I drank, I couldn't. I needed the seat at the bar because the bar was uh, granite floor. And I couldn't stand in that for more than half an hour without my knees being agony. Um, If it was carpeted, I could maybe stand for an hour, but then I would need a seat. Like Things that got there, I knew when I walked into places, everywhere I went, I knew if they had seats that I could fit into. If I knew if, if there was a restaurant somewhere that we were going to as a family or something, or friends. If it was booth seating, I knew I couldn't go there. I would make an excuse not to go because I knew I couldn't fit into that. I couldn't comfortably fit into that environment even if I get I mean I've broken so many seats in places and bars and like that embarrassment factor like I remember sort of laughing it off but I mean inside I was dying inside with embarrassment and what happened if I was dying inside with embarrassment as soon as I get home that embarrassment came out and I would eat comfort date in that situation and then our punishment date is the way I would I wouldn't I would be now aware of it as that's what I was doing mm-hmm. so then you're just repeating the cycle so
0: and it's it's amazing to look back on the because I think sometimes you know our initial thoughts when we think about our lives at that time are you know I was existing like I was just kind of moving going through the paces and you know i had my patterns and such and such and when you dive into it you realize like the amount of of mental gymnastics it took to navigate the world and building those patterns and following those patterns and knowing the places you could go and the places you couldn't go and you know it's it's a lot of work you know to to keep participating in life when you're that large
1: yeah it's exhausting i like i mean it i would From someone who wasn't doing anything all day, my job was sitting at a computer all day, uh, and I was walking for maybe 15, 20 minutes to get to that from each day. I was exhausted when I was going home, like wrecked. And so it meant then the likes of cooking, it was just like, just grab something from the supermarket that was literally on the way home because I wasn't walking anywhere else or if there was nothing in the supermarket I would just literally walk down and get a Chinese or a, a kebab just on literally in the shop on the street where I lived because everything else beyond that was too much of an effort.
0: Understood. And were because you talked about the when you started to have awareness of, of really kind of that, especially like the sneak eating habit, you know you brought up Pavlov's dogs, you know the bell ringing, were you conscious of that before you started making change, and you just knew that it was there? like when did when did that awakening happen for you?
1: I think that was that was actually about three years before I got started, but I was suddenly aware that I was aware that was in the background. So I was fighting that urge all the time. Once I was aware of it, I was fighting that urge um, to on, acting on it so i wasn't getting any bigger but at the same time i wasn't making any changes because i didn't really know i mean as a man anybody i knew who tried to lose weight they they lost weight by oh time to hit the gym that was not an option for me um there was not you couldn't have paid me to walk into a gym at the size i was one i didn't have any sort of clothes that i could wear to a gym uh i mean i had one pair of like track bottoms uh and a couple of t-shirts but there was no way i was going to the gym i would have been mortified at breaking the equipment because a no idea um i wouldn't i hadn't been in a gym since I was 13 maybe 14 years of age and even then it's not somewhere i would have been comfortable i didn't enjoy i still don't enjoy a lot of physical activity i'm not i still call. i do actually tell people it's just like honestly i am a lazy guy <laughs> I, i'm not a, i'm never going to be signed up for you know gym classes you know or I mean, my exercise really is a 30 to 40 minute brisk walk each day. And even if I miss a day, I'll, I'll that's fine. But if I miss two days, I'm conscious of it now. But I still, I would tell people, I'm still, a la- I classify myself as a lazy guy. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be at the gym for four hours a day.
0: No, understood. And so what, what brought you to a point that you, because you decided to make change because you had been living at your heaviest for a long time. What was the catalyst that brought you to that place of saying, I, I need to do something and I actually need to do it this time?
1: Um, I, I've thought about this a lot over the last sort of five years, since I started in Ju- July 2017. But I think, honestly, there was about three or four things all in uh, the air at the same time. And I think the combination was what worked for me. Um, one was that a, a, a male friend of mine, uh, a guy called Kenny, um, he had signed up to this because he had, he was about 100, 120 pound overweight. Um, and he'd, we used to share a lot of meals because I knew what he ate. So I would call in with a takeaway to his work. Um, which was literally on the street beside the train station on my way home. So i will call in, get a uh, fish supper or something like that there. We'd go in. And it meant that we could sort of eat together. Um, you know, I'm pretty friendly. And he'd started losing weight. And uh, I kind of, by that point, I think he'd lost about 60, 50, 60 pounds. And it was just like, well, what are you doing? And he started posting his mails on social media and everybody was taking they were they were joking about like why would why would you eat that and all i could think was looking at it was going i could eat that i mean not on that i could cook that it was really really simple it was just things like um noodles with some flavorings so it would be uh, stock um some protein so it would be ham or chicken thrown in he would add a bit of cheese some a couple of vegetables that he found acceptable and it was just like really really simple food but all i could think was like well if he can do that i could do that i could cook that i, I would eat that doesn't look disgusting to me it would, uh, i'll try that um so he's st- once he started doing that and it was just like well i should give that a go but he used to go to a group um that was actually in the town i lived in but I couldn't go to that because it was during the day because he wasn't working at daytime. So he was working at night. So I couldn't go to that. But I found a, a female friend, a woman friend who she wanted to sign up. And I don't know whether she wanted to sign up or whether she just knew I kind of wanted to and she knew how to do it. Um, and she just helped me through the door. I'm not 100% sure. I've never really talked about it with her. But she persuaded me as just like, well, I'll join with you and we sort of put off for about 3 or 4 weeks we said yeah we'll go and then we met up and decided no we'll we'll do it next week and it kind of put that off so but the fact that she brought me through the door in the first place was one of the big things that contributed she also in the fir- very first week she basically made planned out all her meals and made uh, like batch cooked as we call it uh, a lot of meals so she made like s- seven meals and she, she made like uh, six in six portions and portioned them up. And she gave me one portion of all of them and basically said, look, try it. If you like it, I'll show you how to make it. If you don't like it, that's fine. We'll find something else. And there was a couple of them were really, really nice. Like a couple of them were, and I just, I couldn't believe it. Well, that's not diet food, you know, uh, but she said, look, it's really, really simple. I'll show you how to make it. There was one of them was a really, really simple dish. It was just oatmeal, some porridge oats. Um, yogurt fat-free yogurt uh with flavorings so and then fruit just soaked overnight just in the fridge and just left out and i would just chop a banana onto it and that meal changed my life because i was just like well this is nicer than any breakfast i've ever had and then she said well if you change if you add whatever fruit you like um add whatever yogurt you like and and all of a sudden i was off to the races because that was one meal a day taken care of so then it was like, well, of the other six meals that she gave me, four of them were really nice. Um, two of them wasn't that I wasn't didn't really like. And then it was just like, well, all of a sudden I had a plan then for the first week. So and all of a sudden, I, and she basically she brought me through this group. She actually took me shopping. She got me th- things like a set of scales. <laughs> Things like, you know, plastic tubs so I can make for breakfast for myself. Uh, Things, really, really simple stuff. Even a set of pots that I had but I needed more of. Just really, really simple stuff. She said, look, you'll need these for the basis, get you started. So she was a brilliant help, absolutely brilliant help, Laura. Um, And then, plus she sat with me uh, when we went in to join this uh, Slimming World group, which is basically an organization, but it's a group where you actually meet up once a week. And you sit and chat and the whole ethos about it is whether you've had a good week or a bad week, you sit and you go out the door motivated half an hour, 40 minutes later, you go out motivated by the plan and what you're going to do for the week ahead. Or if you've had a bad week, it's some, it picks you up. You either hear from somebody who's had a really good week and you sort of think, well, if they can do it, I can do that. you know. And it was just that support network. And I'd never been in a room before with people who were struggling to lose weight or trying to lose weight. That seems... It seems insane now because obviously we've all sat in rooms where almost everyone is probably trying to lose weight. You know, Everybody's conscious of I could lose 10, 20 pounds, whatever. Everybody's trying to be healthy, but it's never been explicitly stated. So that was another thing that got me started. But I mean, the one thing I do think was in the background was my mum. Mo- she had been diagnosed with cancer again for the third or fourth time, and I remember the first time she had been diagnosed with cancer, I was like, right, need to do something, because the first time she was diagnosed, we were told she'll be doing well to me to see Christmas uh, of that year, and she got through it, and I remember losing weight and then falling back off the wagon and back putting the weight back on, and she'd been diagnosed, I think, two or three times since then, and every time I'd tried to lose weight, and then she was diagnosed again, and it was just right that I think combined with my male friend Kenny losing a bit of weight, my female friend Laura saying we should do something about this, and I just think all of it combined to kind of make it stick. But when I joined, I mean, there's literally one of the photos that I sent you. That was Laura took that on the very first night, and she said, "Look, this 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 is day one. If this sticks, you're going to want the photo of you on day one." And I was just like, okay. And I actually joke, There's there's literally there's a front on photo and a side on photo. That side on photo was the first I was aware of how big I was. That sounds silly, but that was honestly the first time. But I didn't actually see that photo for about another eight months because I never asked for those photos because I never wanted to see, I knew I never wanted to see those photos again because every time I'd started a diet, or started to try and lose weight, I knew it would fail. Because it always failed. Every time I do well for a week, maybe a day, maybe two, three weeks, maybe a month, but then it would always fail. And it was just for some reason this time it stuck. So it was actually um I'd lost about a hundred pounds before I asked Laura, can you send me those photos? Because I think this time it might actually work. I think literally I think So it was eight months afterwards, it was March the following year. For some reason, that was the first point. It was just like, well, this this might actually work for me Um, because at that point it was in a routine. But that routine was 100 percent based on food that I enjoyed eating. And that's the thing, the key difference to any other diet I'd ever tried, because every other diet was under pain and sufferance that I had to do this for the good of my health. And I wasn't enjoying my food. And if you don't enjoy your food, and it's one thing I always tell people, you have to base it around the food that you love, or you have to find food that you love. Um, because if you don't love it, you'll not stick to it. You'll not stick to it long term. And don't get me wrong, the food when I started was incredibly limited. Um, I mean, there was literally two or three vegetables that I would eat. Um, and there was ones that I would not touch under pain of death. Like I always joke with Laura, she basically said, look, things like, do you like onions and mushrooms? And I said, well, I like the flavor of onions and mushrooms. I hate the texture of them. So she would actually blend them into like a paste to get the flavor in the food. And the, she didn't even tell me she was doing it. Cause if, if I knew it was in there, I probably wouldn't have eaten it. But it was things like that. But then it was like, well, what vegetables do you like? And I said, well, I like sweet corn. Um, I like um, peas. And it was just like, well, okay have those and just eat them if that's the only vegetable that you like eat them on every plate and it was the key thing they always talk about in this simonware plan is one third of your plate should be taken up with vegetables or fruit so if it was the breakfast fruit Uh, if it was main meal dinner or lunch fill one third of your plate with vegetables and it was cooked without oil or butter so unfortunately things like uh, deep fried uh, uh, vegetables were out of it. you weren't uh, that wasn't an option uh, so it was about that making your diet is like really low uh low fat and low sugar so even with fruit and vegetable it was just like look this stuff doesn't need to be it's so um not empty of calories you need to eat so much of it to get to be to eat too many calories to overconsume that you don't need to worry about that And then, so fill one third of your plate and that'll naturally reduce the calories on your plate and put you into the calorie deficit that you need to lose weight. And it would do it naturally. So then it was just, that that had never been, every time I'd tried other diets, like um, where they'd give you a diet plan for the week, my immediate thought was looking at it as well. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. As opposed to what can I have that I do like? And that, I think that, that, didn't kind of blow my mind. It sort of. It took me a while to realize that that's the way I needed to think. I needed to think. This is what I enjoy. Focus on what you enjoy, and then move on. And it's just like if you're not losing weight, eating what you enjoy, you just need to make changes to it. Changes in how it's prepared, or you need to decide what's more important. Do you want to lose weight, or do you want to? Do you want to eat food that's going to eventually kill you? And I, I like had spent thirty years eating food that was killing me. I was t- I, like, I remember school nurse telling me, you'll be lucky to eat C30 because I was so I was overweight. And it was just like diabetes. And I was like, I, I don't know how I got away with not having all these conditions, like diabetes and things that got there. The, the way I was eating, I was really 100% should have. I mean, of members of my family who are diabetic, how I avoided it, I don't know. Uh, even things like high blood pressure, never, it was always tested for it, never had it. And it was just, I was just lucky. I was lucky to reach 44 years of age when I started. And all of a sudden I was just like, right, well, my knees are gone, but everything was hurting. And I was just conscious that i have been told I'll be lucky to see 30, I'll be lucky to see 40. And there was 44 years of age, and still hadn't done anything about it realistically. And all of those factors just came in and kind of combined it's just to sort of like get me going. And I think it was the combination that. Without it, I don't think I would. I would
0: be here. I literally don't think I would be here. So. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think that makes sense, and and I think you hit on something really important. You know, in terms of figuring out what you needed to eat, you know, to lose weight, and that's finding finding that way of eating that you can sustain, and actually, it's food that you like. And you know, yes, is the preparation changing? You know, is there a difference between you know French fries, crisps, and a baked potato and things along those lines. But, you know, it's because it's one of the things, you know, I'm, you know, keto was what did it for me, you know, eating that way. And I have people all the time that message me and they're like, I really want to do keto, but I don't like green vegetables and I don't like meat. And I'm like, well, then this is probably not the eating plan for you. You know, yeah, I, I
1: tried keto and it absolutely was not the plan for me because yeah, I, I wouldn't eat green vegetables at all. <laughs> so yeah. And it's, that's the key thing. I, I remember reading last year, I was, there was somebody on Reddit and it was the super morbidly obese sub for, mm-hmm. uh, subreddit oh, yeah. that I'm a member of. And it was just like, right. And he basically said the key for him was finding out that you need to find, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You know, so you, you need to make it something you can stick to and you need to enjoy it you can't think of it as punishment you need to decide this is what i want and this is how i want to eat for the rest of my life and you can start from there and you can expand after that but if you start off the very f- day one week one and you're eating food that you hate you're not going to that's you're not going to stick to that for a long time like i, I always joke that i mean i'm not a big salad eater, i'm still not but I'll have one every so often, whereas before it would just be like, I I mean, I couldn't face having to eat the salad every day for, you know, the rest of my life. That would just be like, well, I don't think that's worth it. <laughs> you know, but deciding that I can eat food that I really do like, and that's going to keep me full and keep me satisfied. I'm not going to feel deprived. Well, then all of a sudden, well, why wouldn't I eat that? You know, because that's going to get me to where I want to be. Um. I do joke when I started, I had no idea where I wanted to be. like when day one I was asked do you, do you want to set like a goal weight and I was like right, I have no idea, I have no idea I had what a healthy version of me weighs you know because I've never been a healthy version of me. Um, so it was just like, well we'll see I always it's just I always joke and I still do five years into this plan it's just like we'll see where it needs me. And I said well, when I stop losing weight, that's where I'll decide, well, that's pretty
0: much where I need to be, you know? So. No, I think that makes sense. And you said it was about eight months in, you know, that you you asked to see those pictures yeah. because you were starting to actually see that this may be working. You know, you may be sustaining this. You may be actually able to go forward. Like, yeah.
1: what? Well, no, I think that's when I first realized that I could actually stick to this long term. I mean, I started feeling the benefit of it three weeks. I I I mean I I, I do tell people it's just like I was um five hundred and twenty pounds. I think I was probably four hundred and ninety pounds three weeks later I lost a lot very quickly because there was a dramatic change. Um and it was a case of but it was I still eating a lot of food. That's what kept me going. It's just like I couldn't believe how much food I was eating. Uh and I was still losing weight, losing a lot of weight. Um, but what i noticed was the energy level was like three weeks later it was like night and day and i i joke with people it's just like i felt like i was at a skip in my step you know like in a film where the musical montage kicks in and i was like so much extra energy and i was like people on the train or watching me walk to work they wouldn't have thought i was a picture of health at 490 pounds but i felt amazing and I couldn't get over, it was just like, well, I'm, I, the one thing that I noticed straight away is my sleep pattern changed within three weeks. I was sleeping through the night or more through the night, I was less disturbed. I woke up with energy as opposed to oh having to be, I used to joke that I was, I woke up on installments, you know, it hit the snooze button on the alarm clock, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, and then an hour later, right, I'm getting up. Um, whereas all of a sudden I was waking up and I was going and I started going into work earlier. And they were surprised because I always turned up like 10 minutes before I had to be in work. Whereas all of a sudden I was turning up two hours earlier in the morning and they were like, What are you doing here? And it was just, Well, I get my work done and then I go home early. And it's just because it's so much more energy, life seemed a bit more open and it's suddenly more possibility. Um, and that was straight up, that was three weeks. But it was the fact that. Eight months later it was just like well i think this is sustainable because normally even then it was just like yeah but it won't last that negative mindset was still in that the voice in the side of your head it's just like yeah but you always mess it up you know and it's still there sometimes it's just like well why would you try it because you'll try it and fail and everybody will laugh at you and things like that got there because that was that's how negative my mindset was i'd, I'd reinforced that behavior for so long that pattern it took me that long to kind of realize that well maybe i don't have to live like this forever maybe this can stick forever you know because i'm still enjoying my food i'm still not bored of what i'm eating i'm actually starting to enjoy more types of food by that point i didn't have to blend onions and mushrooms into sauces i would actually okay well i'll just chop them finely Uh, and i'll deal with that and things i got there i have so many like weird habits with food that i was starting to get out of and just be a bit more experimental things like trying foods in different ways foods that i i was convinced that i hated because i would tried them once 20 years before and i didn't like them um and then it was just like we'll try it again and it turned out oh i actually quite like that why did i always think i hated that stuff like that and it was bizarre and I'm still finding stuff. I actually joke with Nicole, my partner. Uh, she loves cauliflower. And I was like, oh, I hate cauliflower. And said, when was the last time you had cauliflower? It's like, I think it was 12. <laughs> you know, and this is 35 years later. And I was like, well, can you try it? What if I try it like this? And it's like, okay, well, that's not that bad. So she just tried it boiled. And it was because I was associated just being boiled for like four hours and just completely flavorless mush. And then it was just like, well, we'll try it roasted. And it turns out roasted, it was like, well, that's actually really nice. And then it was just like roasted with like curry powder, just mixed with water and just brushed onto it, thrown into the oven for 45 minutes. Like, well, that's really nice. I actually enjoy that. And just that that sort of stuff blew my mind. It's because it was just, I'd convinced myself for years, well, I don't like that. That negativity, I think, was just all encompassing and just everything I did had a negative attitude with it and it was just like well I, it's a weird thing to say but I kind of along my journey uh, we always describe it as a journey which is a word I I, just, I hate about it but it's the reality of it is we are on a journey um was you know I'd been so used to saying no to everything I'd find an excuse somewhere says someone said we're going to such and such on friday night my first thought was like i can't fit the, i can't fit in the seats there and i would say no i would find i would just immediately say no once i found more energy and it was starting to lose weight and all of a sudden more and it's just like well start saying yes find out where it leads to leads you to and it's just like if you, the worst that happens is you go there you don't like it well then you can say no you know, so I just started saying yes to everything, you know, like work asked for volunteers for someone to become the first aider, And I said, well, okay, i will say yes. I volunteered, but people to become like fire wardens in the building. It's like, okay, I'll do that. People to sit in committees and work and like really boring stuff that every, that nobody wanted to do. And you know? I was just like, well, if I can't think of a good reason to say no, just say yes, see where it leads you. And I just find myself signing up for stuff. Um, and it just, it led me to all these new experiences I was really enjoying it was just like, okay all of a sudden life just seemed more open like everything seemed more open I actually, like I used to work, as a, I a work as a civil servant which is like boring government drone um, and I used to work outside Stormont which is the head of government here um, the headquarters of government and I used to drive past it every day and I, I realised that I've never been in there in 13 years going past that every single day i've never been in it so all of a sudden it was just like well why don't you go in and see and we went in there as part of a tour party and it was just like well this is really nice you know just things like that got there were just mind-blowing to me that uh, just say yes just say yes and see where it leads you i was amazed at just like and it, uh, that's what led me to nicole which is my partner and uh, because it was had a couple of friends when I was losing weight it was just like well you should start looking for a partner something I'd completely cut myself off from for life because I was convinced nobody could ever love me because I didn't even like myself you know uh, how could anybody else like me or really or love me enough to be a partner to me and it was just like okay so I'll sign up and yeah ended up meeting her as well so uh, along my journey and honestly, it was the best thing to happened because I'd actually set a goal when I started was not started about a year after when I started asking Laura for those photos. Um, I'd friends wanted to go to Las Vegas, um, and I always wanted to go. I ran a poker game, so gambling was a big playing cards and that the the opportunity that was just well that sounds amazing. Um, so I said, "Yep, yeah, I'll sign up for that." So I started saving. And I went out to Las Vegas, and I'd, by that point, I'd lost. I'm trying to convert this, we we count stones, which is you, 14 pounds. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was. I lost. I said I needed to find a goal, and the, that goal was I wanted to go on a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon and across Hoover, Hoover Dam. So I looked and I saw the weight limit for the helicopter. I think was about. Um, I, th- I think I needed to lose 230 it needed to be 230 pounds i'm not entirely sure i can't remember but i had lost 15 stone and that meant the tour company i could book that with i could go on that uh air the helicopter ride now i might have to sit because it was heavier than everyone else I still needed to be the weight balanced but it meant they could do that so that that became my goal and i needed to lose that amount of weight and i did and then i went to las vegas um we did the helicopter tour it was amazing. Really, really loved it. One of the dreams in my life was to go and do this. And by that point, I'd started chatting with Nicole online. And I met her the, the week I came back from Vegas. I met, I arrived back on the Monday evening, and I met her on the Friday. That was the first time we'd actually meet in person. And just from there, what I thought was my end goal was going to Vegas. And all of a sudden, it turns out, no, that was just the start. Because that was the start of the rest of my life. Uh, was meeting Nicole and just going on from there so I mean I just I was so lucky because there's always been something else just along the line meeting Nicole um global pandemic <laughs> you know all these things came I learned to drive there was always in that next goal that next motivator uh, so I got my driving test finally um moved in with Nicole uh we bought a house together um I started the, that slimming world, uh, I started over lockdown, I won a national award for the most weight loss of anybody in the in the UK that year, things like this. all these life-changing things that happened, and just from there, it's just been step after step, there's just been something along the line to keep me motivated, um, every, not every day, because I'm not going to lie, I, I mean, I'm aware talking there that I sound incredibly motivated, and but that is not me 100%. Nobody's 100% motivated all the time. Um, nobody can be. You still have to. But it's just every so often I, I, I think about my journey and it's just like, do you know what? I do need to share that. I do need to tell people about this because there are people in my position where I was five years ago and they're probably thinking I can never do anything about it. I've left it too late because that's the way I felt five years ago. I was like, oh, well, it's nice. six years ago. I just thought, I've, I've left it too late. You know, I can't exercise, I can't change, I'm too stuck in my ways. And it's never too late. It is never too late to change from wherever you are. I mean, I listened to uh, a couple of episodes of your of your podcast as uh, preparation for this. And there were guys who were just like, you know, I've been up and down, up and down in that journey. And it was just like, it's never too late. And they were saying that. And one of them, I think, was 26, which is amazing to me. It's just like, at 26, I had no idea. But at 26, he'd been through that and that awareness, and he'd built that already, which is fantastic. And it doesn't matter where they are. They can change from whenever they, wherever they are in life. It's never too late to change, because it's baby steps, one day, one meal at a time, and a promise. I always say to people, it's just like, promise you can change all the negativity that you think of that's in your life, all of it will be gone by if you make incremental, small changes day after day, and don't worry about setbacks. Because in life, there's always going to be setbacks. It's how you react to them. It's how you. It's not how often you get knocked down. It's how you get back up, and just keep moving. You just keep perseverance. It's not about motivation. It's about perseverance. Because perseverance is what gets you there. I know from your own story, you said you've lost what three hundred pounds twice, which blows my mind. You know, because to me it's just a well, I lost three hundred pounds. It's like, I can't imagine doing it again, but knowing that you can, that motivator, that just knowing, well, I can do it because I've I've been here before. I've picked myself up, dusted myself off. I can do it. You know, I've had a wee setback recently where I talked about just at New Year, I had a wee setback and I piled on a lot of weight very quickly. But i was able to not turn it just that awareness of it well i need to stop this and i know how to stop this i know how to set that limit again as opposed to letting it overwhelm me again because if we will ever overwhelm me again we'll have to start from further away again but i can do it i know i can do it i know i can turn it around always from now on no matter what happens and i always joke with nicole it's just like don't let me get too far before you know before i need to get back on it um you know need to and it's not like disciplines because i enjoy it and i know it works for me um and it's just that that awareness is something i never had before and that's what's that's the difference in mentality is just like one, i can do it because i've done it once and i can do it again if i've done it once i know i can do it again that perseverance perseverance is always key about it so
0: and I think that's an, an important message for people to hear, you know, kind of what you just wrapped into. And I think like you, one of the things you said was you're lucky that you've had these pieces come up that keep you motivated and, you know, or, or goals that continue there. But I think listening to your story, you made all of those things happen because you opened yourself up to the possibility that you can make this change. You know, that, that switch from negativity to positivity, that switch from saying no to things to saying yes to things, even if you didn't know it was possible or what the outcome would be is an incredibly just powerful mindset shift that I think every person that has to go on a journey of this kind needs to make, you know, needs to not just expect that everything is going to come to them, but starts taking those consistent actions. Like you said, you know, starting small, take those consistent actions and let them add up and then let that create more possibility and like the idea that within 3 weeks of starting you started to see dramatic changes and those dramatic changes allowed you to see well if this can happen in 3 weeks what happens in 3 months what happens in 3 years like that opening up your mind to the pos- to the possibility of what pers- perseverance can bring you is really the lasting change you know what you put on your plate was important but at the end of the day it didn't matter what you put on your plate to make the change it was the fact that you were willing to put those things on your plate. and You were willing to open yourself up to the possibility that this time is not going to be the same. And I think that's a pattern that people fall into, especially when they have been on a roller coaster with their weight for a long time in their lives, is why should I try again? Because I failed before. And it's about saying, what if I don't fail this time? You know, what if this time I put, take all those lessons I've learned and I, I put those lessons in action? You know, I take the things that I needed to pull from them and I find the right combination this time. What if that actually happens for me? And it's being open to that, that you find it happens. Like it's when you still live in that place of, of fear that you hold yourself back from getting to that place where all of these great things are going to come from.
1: Yeah. Well, that's where I'm, I'm convinced that I, I, I built those boundaries around myself. I limited myself so much. whereas when I w- was the size I was physically, there was a lot of stuff I couldn't do, but mentally there was so much more that I I still could have done, but I didn't, and I didn't uh, that fear of failure um, because. But the reality is, is we all fail at some point. We all fail at points uh, in something. Um, I mean, there's nothing's ever going to be a hundred percent satisfactory all the time. But that, just that not being limited or defined by our our slip ups, not being defined by bad meal going out and just like um i still when i i i did set boundaries when i started in terms of i did say well like that realization that the food that i had was fuel and that fuel i could choose what that fuel does for me whether it makes me feel better about myself or whether i use it to punish myself because that's how i was using food that's how I i was Using food to make me feel better or worse about myself, and using that to abuse my body, or I could choose to use it to fuel me to do what I needed to do, where I needed to be, and the choices that I wanted was just like, well, I know I need to not eat deep fried food all the time. Uh, I need to make better choices, and it's just like, well, and that that realization that the full the food that the junk food was making me feel like junk you know that that's what i was putting in was making that was uh, making me feel bad wasn't helping my mindset it wasn't helping my mood wasn't helping my weight um that if i can make simple simpler choices things like eating apples and, as snacks instead of candy uh, instead of mars bars thanks I cat there it was just like well all of a sudden i was naturally reducing the calories but it also made me feel better about myself and then the more i felt better about myself the more i wanted to eat better you know and it was it was perpetuate and one fed into the other and fed in onwards and it was just like well don't get me wrong I, that doesn't mean i never eat uh junk but it was just a case of well I, if i have it once it doesn't have to define my day it doesn't have to define my week you just draw you move it past it and just say well what do i what do i do next that's where i said what about that uh that one meal that sorted everything, uh, that's changed my life because when I, I mean I still would drink alcohol, I was at a wedding last night and I'll be honest I'm struggling a bit today Um, but that uh, meant the next day usually my breakfast is ready and it means I'm back on and that gets me that good fuel of fruit, uh, yogurt and oatmeal, it means I'm, I'm far better fueled for the day ahead means I can just get back on it and it means it naturally puts me back on the path to correct any slip-ups I may have had but um, I don't I mean I I don't 100% deny myself a food when I started off it was a bit more puritanical about what I could eat and what I wouldn't eat so things like uh, the chips the chocolate I did try and cut out for completely for a while um, not until I used up what I already had bought because I'm a bit miserable about stuff like that, but I would uh, I wouldn't buy it again. And then after a while it was just like, well, I can take the brakes off. I just need to be keep away control of it. And then I decided there well, was stuff that I can have, but I can't control. So if I buy a four bag of a four pack of, say Mars bars or snickers or something like that, If I buy a four pack of them, I'm going to eat four of them. I'm not going to eat one. I'm not, that. I don't have that. But realising that that I can't buy four pack that if I buy one and eat one okay, that's it done. But it was just realising stuff like that there that that I could, what I could do and what I couldn't do. It was stuff that, what we call trigger food that would set me back on a path of where I couldn't control it. Um, One of the ones that was a big highlight for me was going to the cinema, going to the movies, and uh, I just realised that uh, I would buy the big bag of popcorn, a big bucket of popcorn, and the big drink, because I was in the dark. Nobody could see me. Nobody could judge me. So it was kind of secret eating. And then, well, why pay three dollars for a wee tiny thing of popcorn when I mean, you could pay four dollars for a huge bucket? So I'm going to buy the four, of it and I'm going to eat all of it. And it was just realising that I don't have to buy it. You know, just because you're going there, you don't have to have it. So I started bringing when I would go to the cinema and go to the movies and things like that. I would actually bring stuff with me. I would bring grapes. I would bring apples. I would bring uh, stuff that I would have, even things like realizing that I could have boiled sweets that would last longer. That I wouldn't just demolish and you know a whole lot of in no time at all. Just and it was realizing and but thinking about this stuff and just thinking about what I could have and what I what I needed to control and what I could. And it was just that I think that element of control, that realizing that I was the one in control, that I didn't have to let it overwhelm me. Uh, I didn't have to uh, succumb to all of my urges about food. and I still have them. Uh, that secret eating when it's talked about it just after Christmas, that the damage I could do very, very quickly. Those urges, I think, because they were so long established, and I've had them for so long that just being aware of them, they'll always be there just under the surface but i just need to know how i can control it and what i need to do to control it as well so um so that it's not it
0: doesn't define my life the way it did for 30 years no for sure and there's just a lot of inspiring mental work in there that i think is something that people need to hear that that's what has brought you to where you're at today and Mm -hmm. look so, where, you know, in terms, because people love numbers, um, you know, what was, you know, what was your, your, your weight, lo- you know, the weight loss that you accomplished and kind of what are the things that, you know, that are challenging you now? Um, well, I mean, at my
1: lowest weight, I got down to, I think, 208 pounds, but that was in the middle of lockdown. So the middle of the first lockdown uh so about november 2020 i think i'd lost 300 316 pounds at that point which is, which is it was 22 and a half stone um currently i am just under i weigh 16 and a half stone exactly so i'm actually two stone 28 pounds heavier than what my, my lightest ever weight but i'm about £14 away from where I'm most comfortable. Because once I realised that once we got out of lockdown, because when we were in lockdown in the UK, there was no restaurants open, you couldn't go to get takeaways and all this stuff. It wasn't a possibility. So I think I went actually a wee bit too low because um, I I wasn't having a social life. I wasn't meeting friends. So once we got out of lockdown, I put on £16. I've never really lost it. It's just sort of the last year. I've just been in and around that very, very close. Um, So, I mean, I I, say I'm 14 pounds heavier than I want to be, but that was my Christmas blowout that I put on 23 pounds in a month and a half over Christmas, and then I put on 10 pounds. But I've lost that 10 pounds, and I'm just now chipping away at the rest. So um, I'm currently 16.7, which Mm -hmm. I can't even think of that as pounds. But...
0: (laughs) don't um, worry about it we'll yeah ma- we'll make I'm sure some people we'll at home can. do the math multiply it by mass, people. yeah, yeah. Expand, <laughs> expand your knowledge base it's all good
1: yeah so i'm a wee bit heavier than i want to but i'm always realizing that do you know what i could be a lot worse off um and knowing where i am let's just say like i know let my clothes define where my limits are so once i start fitting, that's a wee bit tight or I'm up a belt notch in my jeans or something like that. It's just like, okay, and then I need to do something to be a bit more concentrated about it. But I, I know I need that that um, I need that support of that group still. Um, every single week I go and check in, um, and I've got that support and it means every week, good or bad, I know I'll go there and I'll walk out the room feeling motivated and feeling inspired for the week ahead that's one of the big things about this uh, some world organization is that level of group support because without it i think i would have struggled that just that realization that lots everybody struggles with their weight but it's not you against the world it's not you and your own personal battle yes it is ultimately because it's your choices but other people are in that and you're not alone and you can get support from elsewhere there's a community i mean the fact that there's a weight loss community of men podcasts to listen to inspiring stories that would have blown my mind five years ago that i mean six years ago that, that that was even a possibility especially when the chance of actually seeing people who had lost the amount of weight that i needed to lose because when i first started hunting these people down and i did i actually did go out and seek seek them on the social media they found two of them in the uk who i could actually follow on social media and it was, just saying well what are they eating and looking at their meals and going well I, I eat that i have no problem eating that and reading their story and just realizing that they can do it if i if they can do it i can do it you know and the one thing i've been lucky enough to meet most of them now people in that situation and the one thing they all say is like there's nothing special about me you know <laughs> that's the truth everybody who's done this is just like they've all had to start from that that point of negativity and just like well what's there's nothing special about me but i can make those small changes i those changes he's made i can make those too um whether it's going to the gym signing up or whether it's just like cl- that keto plan uh or it might be mine where it's just like you know you can have your carbs, but it just need to be concentrating on that one-third of your plate and focus. take the focus off the rest as long as you're not using oil or butter and things like that. There. And that's all the stuff that you really need, but it's finding what works for you because there is a plan. As you say, keto mightn't be for everyone. I know my plan probably isn't for everyone. It will work for most people, but it mightn't work for every single person because if you don't eat vegetables, you're going to struggle with it the same way you're
0: going to struggle if you don't eat rain vegetables and keto mm-hmm. there's that's just if i find what works for you you know? for sure man and you have found what works for you and i really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to share your story because i know it's one that everyone listening is is going to pull something from but also you know going to enjoy the opportunity to connect with you you know hearing it and also being able to follow along with with what you're doing now man so if people listening do want to connect with you where do they find you
1: um, well, I do have an Instagram and a Facebook page. Uh, they're both at the same address. It's uh, phil.ks, K A Y E S, dot S W. And it's those three, phil.ks dot S W. Um,
0: and you'll find me on social media there. And I will definitely put links to those in the show notes for this episode, man. Phil, I want to say a big thank you for you coming on the show today and sharing your experiences and this journey with us. I end every episode with the same five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Sure. Okay, so question number one, living or dead, Phil, who is your favorite fat guy? Uh,
1: favorite fat guy? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what? Let me see. Probably Oliver Hardy because he mm-hmm. had the most impact when I was a kid. Yeah, he was a huge impact. Um, yeah, back when I was a kid. I like loved it. him. Oliver
0: and for all you youngins listening, do some googling and, and figure, that, figure <laughs> uh, out who you are. Laurel and Hardy. You know, yeah. I know there's gonna there's gonna be someone listening who's in their 20s who's like, I have no idea who that is. If you have Google. <laughs> you'll figure it out. Question number two, man, Phil. Tell us something about yourself that you love. Uh, something about myself that I love.
1: Um, wow. Well, do you know what? The fact that I'm still here, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it because. I mean, six years ago, I'm actually thinking back six years ago, the memories from that, I mean, at that point at that point I was just resigned to early, being basically to the grave, mm-hmm. because it was just like I couldn't see a way out of where I was, so it was just, I was waiting to die so the fact that I'm still here is just amazing, the fact that I found a partner who's willing to share a life with me, is absolutely stunning, Nicole is incredible and I'm, I'm so I love
0: her so 100% that There we go, man. Question number three. Thinking about all the work that you've done mentally and physically, what has been the most important new habit that you've built over these years? Just saying yes.
1: Simple as that. Just saying yes. If you can't think of a good reason to say no, just say yes. And it needs to be a good reason to say no. But otherwise, just say yes. Mm -hmm. See where it
0: leads you. I like it. Phil, question number four. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Um,
1: I would like to, actually, do you know what? I would like to uh, improve my work situation, mm-hmm. my full-time work situation. So I would like to start exploring the possibility of either promotion at work um, or changing responsibility and mm-hmm. then getting a new job. So just something to mix things up. Nice.
0: And the last question on the podcast, the main podcast, to everyone out there listening, don't forget, Phil is going to join us on the after show for the Patreon. What is, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself on that first day, you know, that first, you, you went to that first meeting with your friend, like mm-hmm. what message would you give to yourself? Um,
1: I think that you find your home, that this is, this is where you need to be. Mm. Um, she, my friend, actually thought I would hate it, that sort of experience of talking with other people. Uh, she And she basically said she thought I would hate it, and she just stared at me the entire time, going, he seems to enjoy this. Mm. And I, I actually, I walked out of it and I thought, Do you know what, I, I, that was nowhere near as bad as I, I was worried about it, but it was like a weight off my chest. Honestly, the fact that I knew, and I felt... I did feel like I'd found something that, um, somewhere I needed to be. So, yeah, I think it was tell, tell me, I would tell myself, no, you're home. This is where you need to be.
0: Love that, man. So, Phil, one more time, a big thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, honestly. I, I do, every so often, I do, it makes me think about my own journey. And it just makes me think, you know what, you do actually need to tell people about this mm-hmm. because. There, there's so many people need that help, and just they suffer alone and don't reach out for it, and no one that's there that they can not do it.
0: For sure, and I appreciate everything that you shared today, man. And like I said, I will put links to your socials in the show notes for the episode, and of course, everyone listening, you can connect with me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at the fat, the Fat Guy Forum at gmail.com I found out a lot that sometimes people email the show. And they forget the the at the beginning. And the email, it doesn't get to me if you don't have that. So thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And hey, don't forget also about the Patreon. If you're a listener of the show and you want to support it, there's a couple tiers on there for just a couple dollars a month. You can help keep the wheels turning here on the show. And you get access to all of the Afterpod episodes. Phil is actually going to be, I think, episode number 21 of the Afterpod. So I'm excited to keep the discussion going with him in just a second. For all of you out there, though, remember, go out there today and do something to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people that I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.